0: Keep up. I'm your host Cynthia Dill. We're recording live this week from the office of Andy Smith, director of the University of New Hampshire Survey Center and professor of political science. Andy Smith. Good morning. Now we're at the University of New Hampshire Survey Center, and your center does public policy polling for a variety of clients, including news organizations, the Boston Globe, CNN, um, government agencies the private sector, and academia, correct?
1: That is correct. We have a wide range of things that we do.
0: Will you be monitoring the public attitude towards the impeachment process towards uh, President Trump as part of the election and primary coverage? Do you anticipate?
1: Yes, we uh, have been polling with CNN as our media partner for the New Hampshire primary, really going back to 2000. We're working with them again this cycle, and we'll, we'll likely include some questions about Uh, Trump's impeachment on our upcoming poll. If not, we've asked questions about Trump's impeachment and uh, people's attitudes towards that investigation on some of our uh, quarterly polls. We We have a quarterly survey here called the Granite State Poll, and we've asked some questions on that in the past. So we're likely to repeat the same questions to see what change there's been over time.
0: Is public policy research that the Survey Center does under your direction, is it science?
1: Um... Yes, we use scientific methods, and the problem that you have with public policy research or any kind of survey research is it's not so much a statistical issue, although there are statistical bases to it. The bigger problem is the the human interaction issue and how we can get um, people to answer questions accurately um, and openly. and not try uh, to have them not try to give us the answer that they think we want rather than give us the answer that reflects their opinion. So it's more of a psychological issue. So we use scientific methods to do it. Uh, er, there is a, certainly a science to public opinion research, but it's more of the interaction with humans, uh, just the conversational aspects of it that become most difficult.
0: Now, in addition to your position as the director mm-hmm. of um, of the survey center, you're also a professor of public, of- Uh, political science. And so what do you say to the student skeptics? For instance, the right-wing conservative student who might question climate change science and generally skeptical of all research. What do you say to that person about public policy research? Well,
1: first of all, I haven't come across that. Um, I I think that's more maybe of a caricature of students. I find that most students are more than willing to listen to information um, or, or uh, scientific evidence. And I think what we have to do as professors is not to tell them that they are wrong or the evidence says this or that. It's to say, okay, if you think that way, you better have some evidence to back it up make an argument for it, cite some research that's been done, and if you can't do that, I really don't want to hear opinions from people. Uh, when I'm uh, reading uh, reading papers or grading tests, I want to see the evidence that they can bring rather than their opinion.
0: Now, on the other side of the spectrum, there may be a student who's skeptical because the service, survey center and all polling organizations takes money from clients, say corporations. Mm-hmm. So What do you say to that student? Is is, is is your research influenced by your clients who are paying for this research?
1: It's only influenced in the sense that we're asking questions that they might want to have answers to that might not otherwise come up. Uh, one of the things that we do here at the survey center is make sure that any questions that we ask are vetted by us, that we get the last word on question wording on the construction of the survey, et cetera, so we try to minimize any of the biases that might be involved in a question. And secondly, one of the things that I try to argue with any client that we work with, be they um, a corporate uh, organization or a, um, a, a policy advocacy group, is to say, you know, let's make sure that the questions that you're asked, uh, that you're asking, pass a sniff test; that they look uh, legitimate on the front, on their face; that you don't have people criticizing or questioning the research because it's very easy to say well, the question was biased. Of course, we're not gonna to listen to that. So I have them deal with the results. So in that sense, I try to make sure that the questions that we ask are very conservatively written, that don't try to push somebody to have a conclusion one way or the other, but that let people answer a question. Another thing that I do related to that is I don't try to force people into creating an opinion uh, while they're on the telephone with us. Um, uh, so we, I make sure that I include, uh, out phrases such as, or haven't you thought much about that, or um, "or don't you have an opinion on that? Because for most of the public, on most public policy issues, you know, the, the general answer is, I really don't know much about this, and I don't have an opinion. And that's real public opinion. So I don't want to create public opinion um, when we're asking people questions.
0: Now. Um Many people, including columnists from all over the media and um, people who are really following the issue closely, um, think that public opinion is really going to be the the most important thing going forward in terms of, of an impeachment. Peggy Noonan in the Wall Street Journal said, everything, the entire outcome, will depend on public opinion. Why is it that it's so important to understand public opinion when we're thinking about these big... Events that are going on around us in the
1: world? Well, an impeachment is a political process. It's not a legal process. It has legal trappings, but it's a political process. And in a democratic society or a representative democratic society like the United States, it all depends on your ability to get elected and get power. So this is going to be a highly political process, and politics is determined by. The public's willingness to back one side or another, or one group of people or another on the issue. So, if we saw this in the 1998 impeachment trial of, of Bill Clinton, he was impeached, but when the trial came to the Senate, there was not public support to have that conviction come through, and we saw very clearly that it didn't follow through. His um, job approval rating was fairly high. Um, what were don't know what's going to happen now is if you're going to see a change in public opinion about Donald Trump from Republicans. Democrats already would like to have gotten him out the day after he was elected, uh, but we haven't seen that shift on the part of Republicans. So for a conviction to come come through in the Senate, Republicans are going to have to feel that it's not to their political advantage to back Trump and to support him should there be a conviction trial. And that's purely politics, and the way they're gonna measure that is through public opinion polls.
0: And what's interesting to me is that it seems like there's this sort of symbiotic relationship between public opinion and what lawmakers do. Because on the one hand, public opinion is shaped by what's happening in Washington. On the other hand, the people in Washington are looking at the public opinion polls, deciding what they're gonna do next. Is is the timing of the policy research important? Like, is it? Are you going to be doing polls like immediately after there's a hearing, and then that's? No,
1: happening? we won't be doing it immediately after because, frankly, even with something like this, a good chunk of the public really aren't paying that much attention, or they're getting just a little bit of information. It takes a much longer time for information to sink into the public's mind and for them to consider it and discuss it before they have what you would say is a real opinion on a topic. So. Trying to judge what happens immediately after an event, I think is silly. So we've seen this with um, the, the debates that have occurred over the summer with the Democratic candidates. Doing a poll after the debate is, is largely incon. It's, it doesn't make sense to do that because you're not measuring anything because most people didn't see the debate. They have to wait to read about it and be told what actually happened rather than to uh, express what their own opinions are because they, they, they don't know.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So, uh, what are the um, in terms of judging um, the quality mm-hmm. of public opinion research? Mm-hmm. What are the standards that are used? Is there, is there some test that's applied? How how do you judge one public policy research or against mm-hmm. another?
1: Uh, I would encourage people to look at an organization called the American Association for Public Opinion Research. They have a list of questions that anybody should ask about any survey that comes out. Uh, to judge whether or not they want to believe the results or if there are any questions about the organization. The other thing that APOR has done is create what they call a transparency initiative, which is to make all of the methods that you use in your research clearly available to the public. And that's really the key, is to be able to understand what was done, such as how the data were collected, how the sample was drawn. Is it a random sample or is it a convenient sample? uh, who did the interviewing, who paid for it. Uh, let's see the exact wording of the questions that were used and the order of the questions that were used. All of those things are the things you need to know uh, that a researcher would want to know before they looked and, and, and uh, bought into the results of any particular research. Um, but it's really incumbent upon the public to do it because, frankly, the press doesn't do that sort of stuff.
0: Now, why is it important to do random polling versus convenient polling? As you just said, I've never heard that term used in that context, convenient.
1: Well, it would be probability samples versus non-probability samples. A probability sample starts with a, with a random sample, a randomly a sample set, selected at random from the entire population that you're interested in interviewing. The value of that is it allows you to use a mathematical model called the central limit theorem to infer the results from the sample back to the overall population with a degree of statistical certainty. If you're using a non-probability sample or a convenient sample, you cannot apply the central limit theorem. It's just a big Hmm. group of people that you might've gotten at the grocery store. And I think the, the biggest example of why that doesn't work goes back to um, the 1936 presidential election. There was a, a magazine called the Literary Digest, the largest magazine in the United States that collects straw polls. It sent out roughly 8 million ballots, got over 2 million ballots back And they predicted Alf Landon would win the the 1936 presidential election. The reason was they used a convenient sample of people with um, automobile registrations and telephone numbers, which in the depths of the Depression meant they got a whole bunch of Republicans. (laughs) If you could calculate a margin of sampling error on that, it would be like 0.0001%. But it was not a random sample. So you can't calculate that. And it was a non— uh, the sample didn't reflect the population. That's the big problem with convenience samples is you have no way of understanding how well they might, that the sample that you get might represent the entire population.
0: When I was thinking about impeachment, it occurred to me that impeachment is to public policy pollsters what a recession might be for bankruptcy lawyers. It's bad for a lot of people in society, but generally good for business. Is Is this added issue of impeachment going to greatly change? I mean, you're busy in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. You have the first primary in the nation coming up. I'm sure you're doing a lot of work for the primary and the different campaigns. Is the impeachment issue going to change your day-to-day work significantly between now and when the primary is on February
1: 11th? Not in the survey center, but um the media research, the media work that we do, the polling that we do is only maybe five to ten percent of the projects that we do. Most of our work is academic survey research for other university faculty members, uh, for governments, state and local governments, so that the kind of polling work we do is a tiny part of what we do. For me personally, it's a lot of extra questions and times that I spend with reporters and discussing these things, but it really doesn't impact the overall work the survey center that much adding a few questions about um, uh, impeachment on some of our existing surveys really is a small bit
0: and what do you, what is the public um, policy what's the value of the research that you do why as a community or as a society is it generally important to carefully and accurately measure the opinion on some of these important issues of the day
1: well uh, Again, most of the work that we do is for governments. They they need to know how the public thinks about particular issues and to, in order to implement policies accurately. That's one of the major pl- ways that survey research is used is first in development of policies to see what is basically an acceptable way to go. And then secondly, implementing it. What is the best way to implement these things? How do you inform people about these policies? So for example, um, in New Hampshire recently, we had a, uh, legis- uh, a, a vote to make a, a work uh, a work requirement for medicare and the the state was very interested in how are they going to inform the agencies that are working with people that might be getting this how do we train them where do we get in, how do we provide them information so we did quite a bit of research with those organizations that are doing that kind of work we also did research with the people who are Potentially getting Medicare to understand what their understanding of this issue is, how they might be better informed about things, that, because this is a significant policy change. As a result, the the court struck down the whole po- the the whole policy change, so it was, it was somewhat moot. But I think it gives a good example of how survey research is used by policymakers and and people that implement public policy to understand. How to do it effectively?
0: Now, um, just last question. Um, people in the country generally think of the news now as sort of a, a, a partisan mm-hmm. operation. You know, they pit Fox News, maybe perhaps with conservatism, conservatism and Republicans, and um, you know MSNBC with liberals and Democrats, mm-hmm. and maybe CNN, maybe in the middle. Um, is, if any of those news organizations come to you with work, you. You have to apply the same standards, right? I mean, so how so? How can the public feel confident Mm -hmm. in the research that it's not swayed by the perhaps political bias of any of the clients that hire you?
1: I think, first of all, it's not going to be possible to convince everyone. People are going to assume something even if they don't have any information. That said, I've worked with media. I, we've done political polling for Fox News. We've done political polling for CNN. I've done it with newspapers and other TV stations. I found that the people that are interested in getting this information from the, the actual research staff to the editors and the reporters who are we were working with have all been very willing to just let us use our best judgment in how we do this. They, they treat us as the experts in putting this stuff together. Um, I've never felt any pressure from any organization, from Fox on the right to CNN on the left, to put any biases into the questions that we're using or our interpretations of them.
0: Well, Andy Smith, thank you very much for joining the program.
1: Thank you for having me.